So this is the fourth episode of Gen Z Investing Insights, and we're just going to get right into it with my first question, that is, uh, does crypto and the blockchain have any real day-to-day effect on normal people? And if not, will it ever have any real effect on day-to-day people, like real people? Uh, I think not really in the U.S. right now, but there is a lot of applications in El Salvador, for example. Uh, They have really unstable currencies, and particularly countries with a lot of uh, corruption and inflation in their government. I think like blockchain is a really applicable like currency in terms of a more stable uh, means of a kind of a national, like a, a worldwide currency. But I think right now in the U.S., the application really isn't there just because of the strength of dollar of the strength of the dollar. Excuse me. Yeah, I agree with Pierce. Um, I've heard of a couple places that take Bitcoin as payment, but I think a lot of businesses because of the volatility of the price of Bitcoin aren't really looking to accept it as payment because like if you charge $100 for a haircut, right? Bitcoin coin drop, if it gets 50%, right? You're you're taking a big risk. So I think the dollar is just safer, especially in the United States to like use it as a form of payment. So not really that much effect on day-to-day life. I think even on stable coins that are based on the US dollar, it doesn't really solve any problem or have any real value to the average person to use it. And until it's convenient or it creates some, some kind of value for the user, nobody's really going to use crypto. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was I was talking to Pierce about SPVs and he didn't know what SPVs was. So SPV stands for Special Purpose Vehicle. And you can use that if you don't have your own money. You can use other people's money uh, to invest in a fund. So if you're trying to raise uh, money for a startup, and you don't have your own money to invest, but you still want to invest in that startup, you can go to investors and say, hey, I have an SBV, invest in it, you'll still get equity. Um, and I'm pretty sure you can still do the two and 20 uh, charging method where you get 2% of the total funds um, uh, assets, and you can charge a 20% management fee. So yeah, that's when the SPV is. Uh, the okay. next thing I want to- oh, I think uh, a lot of the audience are probably wondering, uh... Like, is the goal of the SPV to take a company public or not? Uh, it's not necessarily to take it public. I think it's just one of the ways um, to raise funding and seeds. If that, I don't think it, it matters which seed of funding that is. It could be pre-seed. It could be uh, A-series, anything. Um, but yeah, the main, the main purpose of it is just to raise funding. Um, and then the next topic I wanted to get into was tech earnings. So they continued to be solid. Apple, Shopify, and DoorDash, and Coinbase all beat. Um, and do you guys have anything to say about the consistency of tech uh, this earnings season? I think we saw a lot of beats in the big tech world, but I think it was a completely different story in the small tech world. We saw a lot of disruption. I mean, if you look at Chegg's earnings, they went down 50% in one day. And we've talked a lot about this in our past uh, discussions, but AI has really been an effect for uh, Chegg with their earnings down pretty significantly with their guidance and everything. It was just a horrible quarter for them. And um, it begs the question, like, will these bigger companies take over? And just because they're so uh, successful and they're so much more profitable right now than the smaller uh, tech companies out there. I think the thing with Chegg is that um, a majority of their business is for student services. So when you take away that student services because there are other applications that are better, it's really just a, like a bookstore. 
that's all it that's all it is and if they can't get revenue from their those other services their business basically dies Alex did you want to add anything No, I think you guys covered it pretty well. Uh, the next thing I wanted to get into was uh, about Gen Z. I've been thinking about Gen Z and how we're going to impact uh, business in the future. And my my question, my first question was, uh, will Gen Z want to contribute to the private space market? So what I mean by that is stuff like SpaceX and uh, setting up like space hotels or moon colony. Do you guys think Gen Z will care about um, the development of space technologies? I think it's like hard to say absolute whether or not Gen Z will care. I think that I think that smart investors look for investments that will be profitable in the future. And I definitely think our future as a race or not like a race, but as like a species is like space. Like there's like, you know, I think that as an investor, you kind of got to look forward. So I do think there'll be Gen Z will invest a lot into space and companies that like manufacture rockets, stuff like that. I I do think that space will be the future. Um, I have a slightly different view on uh, the space thing, just because I think it's so hard for a company to to claim space, and that really hasn't been resolved yet. Like, we don't know, let, let's say SpaceX establishes a colony on the moon, like, do they own that property? Who owns that property? And uh, it's a really big question, because space could lack any profitability for companies, or it could be the biggest gold mine of all time. And uh, that question is a question I think a lot of Gen Z investors are willing to bet on. I think we've seen that in the past. A lot of Gen Z investors are fans of these big ideas, including Tesla. When you see Tesla, uh, most of Elon Musk's companies are very, very big ideas. And Gen Z are really behind those ideas, uh, pushing them out. For example, ChatGPT in classrooms. But these huge ideas that, that revolutionize the future, I think Gen Z will invest in. Yeah. And to like talk about like profitability of the companies or like how do they claim it? Like I know right now SpaceX has contracts with like NASA as well as some like other private companies like Blue Origin. NASA like gives them contracts for like the Artemis mission where like the Starship will be used. So they're getting huge contracts. And also if Elon Musk carries through with his commercialization of SpaceX, I mean, there's no way it's not a gold mine in the future. Do you think to really... um get that that this space stuff started do you think there has to be regulations in place for uh certain land regulations or uh commerce and space i think that's really far i i have no idea i'm sure that like i'm sure there will be like different countries have different bases but i i have no idea how it's going to work like i i don't believe that the world will let like spacex claim a colony, like a SpaceX colony, I'm almost like buy the land, but I assume it'll be like different countries having like different colonies. I mean, I have no idea. I have yeah, literally no idea. Space race 2.0. Space race. I mean, we the saw like U.S. Speaking of that, we saw the U.S. establish the Space Force last year. So I they're preparing. Preparing, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm talking about. Um, going more in depth into. Uh, Gen Z's future impact, we've always had this expectation that we will improve the climate and we will change and hopefully uh, improve the climate change situation. Do you think uh, the majority of Gen Z actually want to make a change to climate change? Uh, uh, or do you think they just won't care 
and won't really make uh, any efforts towards improving the climate. I think that's a, you wanna go Pierce? No, you start off with this one. Yeah, I think that's like a, a loaded question in a sense. I feel like, I feel like Gen Z, I feel like no person intentionally goes out of their way to damage something. And since we've all been educated on the issue of our climate, I do believe Gen Z will strive to to clean up earth and become more environmental environmentally friendly. I 100% agree. I think what we didn't have in the last generation was the education about the climate that we have now. Uh, I think a lot of students are learning about the danger that we're seeing in the climate, the rising temperatures, everything about the climate. I think that's influencing a lot of youth's beliefs into believing that uh, we need to make a change now and it needs to be immediate. So I don't know if that comes through the means of wealth or if that comes to the means of like volunteering to clean up a beach or something like that. Or, uh, But I think it will come in some ways. Uh, and I think there's going to be significant movements right now and even and more significantly even in the future towards a, a cleaner climate from Gen Z. Yeah, I think that there, there are definitely the people who are super interested in, in uh, sustainability um, but they're not very motivated. Like the large majority of people my age that I've got the sense of, like they're not motivated to really help the earth. And I think it, it's going to take some climate event, like some super climate event to really motivate people to do that. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, like if there isn't some major motivator, I think there has the scientists have to um, just create things that are of value to people, but also um, contribute to sustainability efforts. Um, to really get this going. I think that's a good point. The government also, uh, just to quickly add on, uh, passed a sustainability bill a while back. I forget what the exact name of it was, but it was for like, I think around uh, like a trillion dollars or something like that, where like for infrastructure, more sustainable infrastructure and like electric car systems and all all that stuff. So just watch out, you know, sustainable stocks, you know, they're going to continue to, to have that funding from the government to stay alive, at least I think for a little bit of time. So it's not going to be out of our way anytime soon. Talking about sustainability based uh, stocks, Rivian is a EV company that's definitely going to contribute to uh, sustainability. Their earnings are this week. And so are PayPal's earnings and EA's earnings. Uh, what are you guys' predictions for earnings this week? Will we continue uh, to see consistently from big tech or will this week differ? Hmm. I don't. I I don't know. For like speaking like Rivian, um, I have seen a couple of their cars on the road, like their their uh, trucks. However, I don't know their profit margins on the trucks. And I, what are they expected? Are they expected? Pretty sure they expect like I've. I think I looked at their ten k a couple of weeks ago, and they're just like they have not been profitable historically so i'm not very oh no yeah they're not very uh and then their possible. stock has just been horrible for the past like couple months so i don't i don't expect them to do well personally i think uh it depends i think the market a while back this might have been a really good quarter because it would have been um, i think they're gonna beat in terms of numbers of trucks or uh raised guidance just because my uncle got his review just a little while ago and i i, I agree with you i've been seeing a lot of them around I think a lot of people are really starting to get into the Rivian craze. Uh, but I also think like the market now, considering Rivian's lack of profitability, even if they sell more trucks, 
I think the market now is not going to like uh, this quarter, but as it would maybe like, let's say a year ago. I mean, looking long term, um, Rivian has that contract with Amazon, I believe, or yeah, what was it like a hundred thousand or they they have a pretty good contract with Amazon. Have they started delivering on those um those the orders? I have no idea, but I think it was either them or Lucid's um income statement that I looked at where they're just spending so much on research and development where they just don't have a lot of free cash flow. So I'm not very confident in their ability to be profitable. Um, not only for this earnings, but just um this year in general. Uh but yeah. an another earnings call this week, my favorite stock, Electronic Arts, is having their earnings this week. This is coming off. Uh, the release of the new Star Wars game, which I've played and I love. Um, but expect them to be very volatile this week. Uh, the sales are going to probably go in uh, to their earnings call. So I do suggest that you buy it. And I think that they will be expectations. Um, but yeah, the next thing that's coming this week is the consumer price index, which is a telltale sign of inflation. Do you guys think that will be uh, increased? meaning uh, inflation has increased uh, during the month of April or will decrease? Are we talking about the expectations or are we talking about inflation? Expectations. In expectations. Um, I think uh, I think it'll come in around expectations just because like the interest rates are, are higher now. Um, in Powell's uh, con like press conference on whenever it was Wednesday, I believe, or yeah, I think it was Wednesday. Um, it was, uh, he he mentioned that he was happy with, or happier with how inflation was coming down. However, it's still not his goal. And so I think economists, when they're going through, you know, when they're making their predictions, I feel like, I feel like with Powell sent a pretty clear message. And so I don't think they'll be that far off the estimation for the inflation. I agree. I think it's probably even. Uh, I don't think it's going to be negative. I don't think it's going to be overly positive. But uh, on the positive side, we did see like companies like Chipotle beat pretty massively, and a lot of other like companies that sell consumer goods uh, have beat pretty substantially. So that's usually a, a positive sign in terms of uh, uh, we're kind of turning around in a way. And the inflation worries from companies nowadays, uh, I don't think they've been as significant through earnings. Like inflation really hasn't been a hasn't really been a topic i think in earnings calls this quarter as it was in previous quarters so i don't think it's going to be as substantial uh and plus in my life at least i don't want to speak for all like factors of of everything in, like in the world because i'm not a consumer of everything but i think from what i've seen personally in my life i haven't really seen much inflation at least in my the goods i buy in this quarter as compared to last yeah i think uh another thing to highlight that uh inflation is going to kind of stand still is that the fed did uh rate heights last week but now everybody's saying that's going to be the last uh, uh rate hike and i think that's just a telltale sign that um, inflation's cooling off hopefully we don't get into a recession even though uh frc did go down last week what do you guys think is the future of regionals do you think we were going to get, see more banks fall last week we weren't too sure but uh considering the news of this week what do you guys think Last time we talked about FRC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they gone now. Yeah. But I think uh I think regionals 
they're in, in a really tough spot right now just because I don't think consumer trust and regional banks is that strong. PacWest and, and Western Alliance, we saw this week go down 50% in a day. They, they recovered pretty substantially in the day, days followed. But um, I think there's just a lot of like mixed opinions from the public. I think for, for most consumers, unless you're over you know the FDIC limit, if you're over that limit, though, those are, that's where the money is for banks. And I think a lot of the people that are over the limit are taking their money out of these regional banks and putting them into big banks. I mean, we saw it through JP Morgan's last quarter, and I think we're going to see it again in the future. Yeah, I think like future for regional banks, I feel like they're going to struggle for a good couple of years. However, I do not think that regional banks will be going anywhere long term. Um, and Powell was asked about this on Wednesday, about how he like about... Uh, JP Morgan buying FRC and how like JP Morgan's been or like large banks shouldn't be acquiring regional banks. And he kind of said like in FRC's case, it was okay. It made sense, but he does believe that there should be regional banks and he would prefer if regional banks bought out regional banks. So I, I just don't see regional banks going anywhere long-term. However, short-term, I do think we'll see a lot, a lot of withdrawals. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I agree. I think regionals, Going forward, I think regionals are going to be fine. PacWest and Western Alliance, as Pierce said, did recover really well on Friday. Um, but it's it's been a crazy couple of past weeks, um, and I really don't know what to expect, to be honest. Uh, but do you guys have anything else you want to add? Not, this. Not for me. Nothing too much happened. Compared to last week, I think this week's going to be a little tamer in the market. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. So a little bit of a short episode. Uh but we did talk about a lot. A little bit yeah. short. Thank you for listening. And that is the end of the fourth episode.